0: Hello and welcome to ASCII's podcast show, Can We Talk? Conversations in Early Childhood Education. On today's episode, a conversation about the importance of free play with Pierre Harrison, you will hear ASCII's Nancy Baberstock have a conversation with Pierre, who is a play ambassador who works to promote play as a fundamental necessity for a healthy, engaging, and fulfilling life. For more information about Pierre, please visit www. PlayLearnThink.com. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, Pierre. It's truly a pleasure to have this time with you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your mission?
1: Well, first, thank you very much, Nancy, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you to chat. Yeah, I I was very fortunate that I grew up in a time where, you know, as kids, we were sent outside and told to come back when we were hungry or or when the lights came on on the street corners. I grew up in the forest, which was great and uh, i actually studied science i'm I'm very very curious person and i studied science but alongside of that science i also studied education and it became very clear to me that education and science and play they're all the same thing so uh, so i started working in non-formal education in the mid 80s and in 2003 i really wanted to focus on play and that's when i founded play learn think to offer workshops and adventure play days, and and spread the word that play is important.
0: Excellent. You and I had the chance to meet recently when you facilitated a workshop for Francophone educators here in Hamilton during the Embracing the Early Years conference, during our Professional Learning Day, and I have to say that it was a very engaging and high-energy afternoon. The educators were really immersed in the work of play and left with a lot of big ideas, big smiles, and I dare say a new perspective on free play and the role of the adult. What did you notice about how the educators engaged in that
1: session? Well... As I just mentioned, I I do a a lot of training sessions, but I also facilitate adventure play days. And what I find fascinating is that whether I'm with children or whether I'm with adults, whenever I say go, it's time to play. They all all act the same way. It's amazing. Some of them dive into the materials and the tools without really knowing what they're going to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's explore. Let's have some fun. Others kind of like, are at the periphery of the space and they're like observing and like, Hmm, what am I going to do? Maybe I'll join this group. So I always find that very, very fascinating. And that's what I observed with your group as well. It was amazing. Some of them just jumped right in and started building some things. And even though sometimes they don't know what it's going to be when they start, it's wonderful to see the process of, of how their creation evolves. And sometimes it starts in one direction, starts veering to another direction, and so I find that great and what I like about this and that's why it's so important for me to offer sort of like a play opportunity within a workshop is that I want the adults to feel the joy of of plunging into that world of play I want them to feel like the kids do so that they can understand how very important this is for children to be able to do as well and it's great to, to hear the laughter, to see the collaboration, the cooperation, the joking, the, sol- the problem solving. It, it happens on both sides with kids and with adults. And it's always, to me, a wonder to observe.
0: Yeah, I found it amazing to watch, as you said, everybody kind of break out into their own little groups, how they chose who they were going to work with, and what materials and some wanted to work solo, but then kind of found themselves alongside someone else. It was very joyful and they were so busy, like we had a really hard time pulling them back into the into the session. I think that was a really good sign of, of a successful day for sure. Pierre, one of the quotes that you shared during the session was "better a broken bone than a broken spirit." Can you tell us a bit more about this philosophy and how it's impacted your own mindset with your work with children and educators around risk play?
1: Yeah, so so that quote comes from Lady Allen of Hurtwood, who was trying to bring adventure playgrounds from Denmark into London, and she met a lot of resistance, and she pronounced those words, which essentially became our mantra in the play world. So. Play workers or or play ambassadors or promoters of play, people who try and encourage this kind of philosophy and, and in working with children, that's what we're always doing. We're always trying to find that balance between letting the child explore risk. And the benefits that that come with that exploration of risk and and using different types of materials and putting themselves out there and all that. And we're not so concerned about, you know, like a, a skinned knee or a stubbed toe or a broken pinky or something like that. Like we obviously don't want those things to happen, but we see the other side and we see that there is so much valuable learning going on, that we don't mind that those are potential risks. Now, obviously, we try to sort of like minimize risks as possible. And we, we definitely want to remove hazards, which, we, which kids can't identify. But we also understand that it's very important for children to explore risk. We don't want a sterile environment. If children can't explore risk, they'll never learn to identify, evaluate, and then take acceptable risks based on what they can and cannot do. And they won't learn what they can and cannot do if they're not able to explore risk. So that's why it's very important for us to to find that balance between, you know, letting children explore risk the way they want and risk is something that is very personal, right? What is risky for me might not be for you. What is what is not risky for me might be risky for you, you know? So we see that in children as well. And when they're presented with risky opportunities, they all approach it differently. And that's very, very healthy because as adults, we can't always be with them. And so it's important for them to be able to evaluate risk and take appropriate risks themselves.
0: Oh, I really appreciate that answer, Pierre, because we've had a lot of discussions here in Hamilton and at ASCII about the difference between risk play, which kind of sometimes has a negative connotation, But, you know, the difference between risk play and hazard, hazardous play, and that risk play, as you said, you know, can mean just stepping up on a step for some children who wouldn't typically Mm -hmm. feel comfortable doing that. And that it's really a personal thing. It doesn't, it's not that it's dangerous. It's that the child can feel strong and competent when they've accomplished this thing. So thank you for that explanation can we talk a little bit about the materials that you provide and how you choose them and yeah we'll go there i know your van was like chock full of things i don't even know how you personally fit in the van to drive here but if you can tell us a little bit about those materials
1: yeah, and sometimes I bring a trailer with me full of stuff as well. So so as you saw, the, a lot of the materials are big boxes. So I get boxes from like refrigerator boxes, stove boxes, washer, dishwasher wa- boxes, stuff like that. So those are like the really big loose parts. And with those come the corners that protect the appliances. So those are rigid corners of cardboard that are great for stabilizing houses or cardboard bo- boats or castles or whatever. I also bring like rolls from uh, tissues like fabric rolls and things like that when I'm doing a workshop closer to home then I have the possibility of bringing material over a few days and so I'll bring more natural materials as well like tree branches acorns whatever I can find so those are kind of like the big bulky so like free loose parts I also bring a lot of what people would say is crafting materials, right? So I bring like tissue paper, I bring tennis balls, I bring elastics, I bring popsicle sticks, I bring glue, hot glue guns. I bring a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then I also bring tools. So I have hammers and nails and I'll bring some wood as well. And I have safety glasses that are appropriate for children and adults. I have gloves for kids to use the hot glue guns. I have saws that you could saw holes into the cardboard, be it a door or a window or anything that you want, making a drawbridge on a castle. And the reason I do this is that the crafting material is is really to, to, to put people at ease. Because often when you just bring loose parts, people really don't know what to do with them. Because a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to just have at it with loose parts and so the the crafting material is kind of like familiar everyone has done some crafting and so it, it makes them familiar and once they get going with that crafting well then it'll open them up to hey let's try making something with this big gigantic box you know let's turn it into something some people don't need that some people jump right into the big box but other people need that easing into that And then the tools add that element of risk. You know, they're using real tools. And I'm happy to say that I've been doing this for 20 years now. And it amazes me that as soon as a child is holding a metal saw, they almost immediately become like, whoa, this is real. I have to be careful. You know, and you don't even have to tell them anything, but I do make sure that I always tell them how to use a saw and stuff like that. Making sure no one's inside of a box before you start cutting into it, you know, like no magic tricks or anything like that. So that's how I come about with my tools, you know, the to try and, and bring some materials that say, "Ooh, wow, what can I do with that? And also a few materials that say, oh, I know what to do with that to make sure that everyone is at ease.
0: Wonderful. And I certainly saw examples of that with the adults using them. I can only imagine the joy that the children would have using all of those things. What changes might educators see in the children as they incorporate opportunities for free play and loose parts or open-ended materials in their classrooms?
1: Right. So, so that's why we're doing this, right? We're trying to encourage as many professionals in education to use loose parts and to have sort of like that that child-centered pedagogy where we give children more autonomy to explore loose parts and things like that. And so we also encourage professionals that when they set up this kind of these kind of opportunities, that we sit back a little bit and we observe and we document. And one thing that we're going to notice when we're observing and we're documenting is that, wow, look at what the children are learning. And a lot of these learnings, okay, they're, they're actually, some of them are academic learnings, you know, like literacy and numeracy, but a lot of them are skills that they're going to need later on in life like collaboration, cooperation, negotiation, problem solving. And then you see their self-esteem get up, this resilience, the self-regulation. So all of these things that are difficult to teach, the children are learning by having some experiences, facing a couple challenges and overcoming these challenges. And so that, that, that's what's so great is that often the educators will see abilities in their kids that they may not have recognized before. A quick example is I was doing some work with some parents at a forest daycare near Sudbury and we had a little survey for the parents afterwards. And one of the questions was, did you notice any ability that that your child demonstrated that you didn't know he or she had? And we had a few parents say, yes, wow, I didn't know that my child could climb a tree. I didn't know that my child was so comfortable using tools. And so When educators give these opportunities to the kids that we're really giving them the opportunity to shine, to show them, to show us what they can do. And that's what it's all about.
0: That's great. It ties in perfectly to my next question. We know that research supports the hypothesis of free play as essential for learning, for physical health and emotional well-being, self-esteem, imagination and curiosity. What is the most important step that educators can take to adopt uh, being an ambassador of Courageous Free Play? What And what are some of the challenges that they might meet along the way?
1: Well, I like this question because one of the things that educators can do is also probably one of the biggest obstacles, right? So I always try and encourage professionals in education to, to really make sure that they're part of the context with the child and stop saying no so often, right? Often as, as professionals in education, as as ECEs, as educators, as teachers, our instinct is as soon as we see kids running off to do something, we're like, no, don't do that. You know, we're we're always trying to control, trying to herd them in, always making sure that they're not going to do anything that to us might look a little dangerous or silly or whatever. And instead, we should be placing more confidence in our kids and and letting them explore a little bit more. And we stand back a bit and we give them a little bit more control to decide what they would like to do. And and then we observe and document. And as we just said, when you observe and document, you see that, wow, look at how capable these children are. And and that allows us to to realize, to see the children in, in a different light. But if we're always controlling, 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 then we don't give them that opportunity. Now, I know as teachers, as educators, it is somehow difficult, sometimes difficult, because we're in charge of other people's children, right? So it becomes a little tricky when we're wanting to let children explore risk. But but that is part of our job, is if we want to accompany a child on their growth and especially the development of their well-being, then we have to stand back a little bit more. And I would encourage you to, Stop saying no so often and giving them a little bit more freedom.
0: That's great. You mentioned documentation and that was my next question. So what role does documentation play in sharing the importance of this with parents, families and
1: other colleagues? Well, so, so I see the role of documentation in, in three different ways, right? So, so we've set up the space and, and the children are, are allowed. We've given them that liberty to, to go and, and interact with those materials and those tools, if, if we have tools or whatever, and we let them play the way they would like to play. And as I said, we sit back, we observe, and we document. And so the first part for that documentation is that it allows us to see what the children are doing and how they're using the materials using the space and using their time right and so we can look at that and say oh they're using that material we'll bring more of that next time oh they're not using that material we'll put that aside for later oh this is how they're using the space maybe we'll give them more wide open spaces oh look at they need a little bit more time to get through their whatever it is that they're doing so we, uh, we encourage that now number two is that it allows us to make the learning visible. So whenever we look at our documentation, we see what the kids are learning and we say, wow, that is amazing. And that allows us to convey this to the parents. And so the parents, we can show them, look at what your children are learning. And then lastly, it allows us to evolve as educators. So when we look at our documentation, we see, oh wow, that idea worked really well. I'm gonna keep doing stuff like that ooh, that idea didn't work at all. No one liked that. So I'm not going to do that. So it allows us to continually evolve our own work. So I think those are the three main things that documentation helps us with.
0: I think it also tells the story of our classroom, right? What we've been working yes. on, what we've been doing with the children alongside them, and just the joy that we experience every day. I think that's also important. And it also can relaunch a project. You know, they might look back at pictures and say, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Let's do that again. So, yeah, documentation is such an important part of our role. Yes. So we're getting close to the end of our time together. It's going so quickly. But before we go, I wanted to share a story that an educator shared with me. So they wanted to let me let you know that they had installed some of the boxes that you donated. You were so kind to let everybody bring the materials back to their centres. And so the Monday after your presentation, she observed how the children were so fully engaged with the materials and they were so joyful for such a long period of time. And then at nap time, one of the toddlers chose to snuggle up in one of the boxes that she had been playing with, and that's where she fell asleep and stayed for her sleep time. The educator really felt that this story just lined up so well with the philosophy of learning through play that you had shared and that it demonstrated that when we you know, give them authentic materials and we trust them to offer those materials that are real materials that they see in their real daily lives at home, that then their ideas and theories are respected and they show us that they're competent and capable to figure out their own identity and what's important to them. Any thoughts you'd like to share about that story?
1: Well, thank you for sharing that story. Honestly, it warms my heart And this is why we do this, right, to give children the opportunity to show us what they are capable of. And when we do give them that control, we see, as the the educator mentioned, that they are completely engaged. You know, it's not just some little activity that they're rushing through. It's that they're controlling something. So it becomes a real authentic experience for them. And when they have authentic experiences, well, then children will create authentic identities for themselves. They'll nourish their self-esteem, their self-confidence, and they'll become who they want to become, not what someone else wants them to become, right? So that's why we want to give them as much play and authentic opportunities as possible, so that they can show us what they're capable of.
0: I appreciated that story a lot too because I think it really does demonstrate the importance of the work that we do and and how attached the children are and and how they can feel so safe in what was for them probably a lot of new materials and something they hadn't done before. But you know to snuggle up and go to sleep in her in her uh, you know construction was just such a such a sweet thing and I, I thought it was lovely. So Pierre, before I let you go, what else would you like us to know about the science of play?
1: Well, to be quite honest for me, Science and play, that's the same thing. I am a scientist. I'm also very playful. And for me, like science and play, it's about going out into the world, asking questions. You're armed with curiosity and a spirit of inquiry and you experiment and you build knowledge. And that's what science and play do. It's all about having that autonomy to explore and build the knowledge that we would like to build.
0: Fantastic. Well, Pierre, I want to thank you for joining me in this what I hope will be continuing conversation about courageous play, risk play, whatever we want to call it, but just important that we play and for supporting us all in becoming play champions or play ambassadors, whatever title we want to call it. I just so appreciate your time and I appreciate your enthusiasm and your playful spirit. And I hope that we get
1: to talk again soon. Thanks, Pierre. Thank you, Nancy, for inviting me and allowing me to share with you. And I won't say goodbye. I will say until next time.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too.